18. You might like to look up uh, Mark 16, 15 to 18, where it says, Go into all the world and preach to every or to all creation. Making, goes on about making this, uh, sorry, baptizing. And anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Those that don't believe will not be saved. So, preaching to every creation. Probably doesn't mean going out talking to the trees, but it does go, means going and talking to, to people. So let's just uh, consider each of these three verses for a moment. What are the similarities? What are the differences? In Acts 1.8, I read that as a, almost a statement of fact. You will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, the next province in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Acts 1.8 is saying, you will be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere. But it says something very important too. It says, this will happen after you have the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's foreshadowing the coming of the Holy Spirit. And based on that power, his disciples will be his witnesses. Okay, let's compare that with Matthew 28. It also has a statement of power, but it's a statement of authority. Jesus says, all authority is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. Paraphrase. But it has very much has a command. Make disciples. As you go, make disciples of all nations. And all nations is important. I think that's referring to what we would call as people groups. Not the 140 or countries around the world, but the more than six or 7,000 people groups around the world. Ethnic groups, often with a common language, with a common ancestry, common culture, common understanding often. He is challenging us to take, or charging us really, to take the gospel to these people. And then Mark 16, go and preach to all creation. So we've preached the gospel to everyone. We may not make that, but we can make the preaching and making disciples of every nation. But still they're all to be in our focus, to be his witnesses here, there and everywhere. If we don't do it, no one else will. Go and make disciples of all nations and go and preach the gospel. In a way, these are strange last words. It's almost could be construed that Jesus is giving this command and taking off. But these are words and commands that have come even from the Old Testament. And I'd like to just read one passage out of the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 12, it's uh, the, the blessing to Abraham. <clears throat> the first four voice verses of Genesis 12. And the Lord said to Abram, his name hadn't been changed to Abraham at this point. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you will I curse. And with all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Let me emphasise that. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So really here is the makings of the Great Commission. God is going to bless Abraham and through him he will bless all nations. And that blessing I think is at least twofold. It's through the lineage of Abraham that Jesus Christ came into this world. But it's also through Abraham that the message of salvation through Jesus comes. So in a way that we have received this blessing as God's or as Jesus' disciples and we are charged by this verse and the Great Commission to go and share that blessing, the blessing of knowing Jesus with all nations. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went to pray. Who remembers the Sunday school song? It starts with those words. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He put out his palms and asked for arms. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I give to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. So that's a, a paraphrase again of Acts 3. But it's, uh, it's true. And Acts 3 follows on Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit was given and manifested in the time of Pentecost. So Acts 1 is starting to be filled. The Holy Spirit is given, power is given, but now the disciples are starting to live out the Great Commission. So this man is uh, healed, but not everyone is happy. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, persecute Peter and John. So we start to see a pattern developing in the scriptures of proclamation of, well, go one step back, of healing, of miracles, of proclamation of the gospel, then of persecution. A pattern that stems from the Great Commission. Prayer, proclamation, prosecution. In Acts chapter 6, we go on. The church has a social dilemma. We have Jews together, Christian Jews that have now become to know Christ. Some speak Greek, some Aramaic. And the Greeks are getting upset because their widows are being neglected, they believe, in the handing out of food and social benefits by the church. So there's a cultural difference, there's a, a split. So Peter and other disciples consider this and they say, let's appoint seven to look after the serving of tables. Our priority is prayer and preaching the word. So they treat this uh, rather important social situation by point, appointing seven. One of those seven was a man by the name of Stephen. Now Stephen was given a job, we might call it a deacon, where he's serving on the tables and looking after social justice. But that didn't stop Stephen from proclaiming. Stephen went on and proclaimed the gospel rather boldly. And again, that upset people. Upset people so much, you remember the story, that they stoned him. After a great a sermon, Stephen was pushed aside and stoned to death. 
So we're beginning to see the pattern expand. A pattern of prayer and proclamation as the priority, not neglecting the social needs of the community, of the Christian community, but putting the priority on prayer and proclamation. And with that comes persecution and martyrdom and death. An encouraging pattern, isn't it? They say the church in the first 500 years grew, and then all of a sudden it tapered off. And one of those factors was the drop-off in persecution. Prayer and proclamation as priority, persecution. There's a book written a couple of years ago called Mission in Motion. It's written by a man, Malcolm Gold, from the US, and Jay Matenga from New Zealand. They, had, in their book, they did a bit of a survey of Christian workers and others in ministry and put the question, what, what is mission? They didn't get one answer. They didn't get two answers. They got a whole string of answers that, that formed a continuum from evangelization and proclamation at one end to social justice and caring for the needs of people at the other end. Even fair trading got to mention. In the book, they mentioned the fair trade coffee. One missionary was a bit upset that fair trade coffee was the most popular standard emissions display. Maybe they had really good coffee. But maybe they um, echoed some of the social justice desires of people that they were representing fair wages to national workers. But I'd like to propose a challenge that if we're talking about mission as the fulfillment of the Great Commission, all those aspects may be great, but unless they have some of the essentials of the Great Commission, they're probably not mission. I think the essentials that are coming out in Acts is the, the prayer, the proclamation, and even if we don't like it, the persecution. That is my hypothesis, hypothesis that I'll throw to you today, that really we need to be discerning what, what's mission and what's not. If it's Great Commission mission, I think it needs to have those characteristics. You will be my witnesses. You will go and make disciples. Go and preach the gospel. How are our priorities as a church in activity that we call mission? Are they the priorities? Prayer, proclamation, preaching. I'm going to uh, switch to a friend, my friend Moses. Moses is uh, from the Africa Inland Church in Nairobi, Kenya, and he has some words to say to us on the Great Commission. Why does the church exist? What is it for? 
a pastor in that local church, to be asking himself, why am I here? Why has the Lord allowed this congregation to exist in this particular place at this particular time? And that takes us back to Matthew 28, go ye into the whole world. So that we know that the existence of any church all over the world, the existence of any local congregation, to be able to reach out, go ye. So that, that command of go ye should be the obedience of every pastor. So if any pastor finds himself not getting involved in the command of going and reaching out to the whole world, he probably needs to ask himself, why am I here? Why am I existing? <coughs> the church in Africa is beginning to think about doing mission work. We are coming from an age where mission work was for the white people, and we are entering into a new, I should call it, it's a, it's a paradigm shift of a kind, where Africans are now thinking about doing mission work. We are beginning to think seriously, critically, and strategically about how a local congregation can actually participate in mission work, whether that is sending a missionary or supporting a missionary somewhere in the faith. Caught my attention that the Swahili Bible translates that word go as enendeni, which is actually in plural in Kiswahili, is enendeni, which means go, all of you. Because if it was left like go or enda, then probably it would be left to one person. But the Swahili translation puts it enendeni. So it's actually all of us, all of the church. How about that? Measuring the stature of a church by its sending capacity, not its seating capacity. And go, all of you. <laughs> That's how an African would say it. And uh, I guess that comes back to Acts 1. You shall be my witness here, there, and everywhere. So we go here. Some will go here. Some will go there. Some will go everywhere. In Acts chapter 9, Saul is saved for a mission. Remember the story of... Apostle, or a man called Saul on the road to Damascus. He was stopped in a flash of light, blinded. And Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it goes on from there that he has a very life-changing experience and comes to know Christ. Saul becomes the Apostle Paul and becomes a key figure in the great commission work of the first century church. You remember Paul had many mission journeys, some voluntary, some by his own choosing, some in chains under Roman guard, involuntary. I remember his journey to Rome in chains, probably the end of his life there. But all these journeys, he was there to proclaim the gospel. He was a tent maker and at times that helped provide his income. But in 1 Corinthians 15, he gives it, his priority is telling people that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and that he rose again, and that he appeared to the 12 disciples, he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and he appeared to others before his resurrection. I remember the song of Casting Crowns. You remember the chorus of this great song? Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sin far away. Rising, he justified me freely forever. 
Oh, what a glorious day. That was the message priority of the Apostle Paul. I think our priority probably needs to be the same. As a church, and in a, in a church, as uh, <clears throat> Carol Betts said, that it's a body and we all have different skills. Some are evangelists, some are not. Some are teachers, some are prophets. Some are administrators, some are other things. But together, we can have a pointy edge where we are proclaiming the gospel. We have doctors working in hospitals, some are surgeons. They, they get some opportunity to share with their Somali patients or others from unreached people groups, but they're part of a team. And that team has chaplains that are praying with patients, sharing with patients. So as a body together, we need to be proclaiming here, there, everywhere. Africa Inland Mission is, does some work in North Africa, and that's an area where we don't talk about country names and people names. But there was a worker there, and all of a sudden they started seeing people accepting Christ. And they were asked the question, <clears throat> what's changed? Why, why suddenly we're seeing people respond? You know, we're in an Islamic setting, illegal to um, change religion, but here people are becoming Christians. Well, they said, we started proclaiming. We started telling people about the gospel. Before, we were just hoping they'd see our good life. But then we started talking to them. And they responded. A bit like Jonah, eh? Jonah started talking and they responded and he was shocked. But uh, the, these guys started talking and people responded to the message of Christ. As we go in AIM, we, we send workers out. And a little while ago we had a um, complaint. Some of, some of the people that are sending, not, they weren't from Australia, but I guess they could have been, they don't know how to share their faith. So that's a challenge back to the church. We need to make sure we all know how to share our faith. And be bold in sharing it. Proclaim. Just going to switch to another friend, Peter, from Kenya. Lived in the Europe for a little while. He's going to share another challenge with us. that they have traveled to places where there is greater freedom to share the gospel and 
and right in the doorstep of many of our strong churches. Looking for hope and a better life, they can find Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life as the churches welcome them and provide services that can help them settle, whether it's through English language learning or even through discovery Bible studies. Take some time and look around and notice that there are people who have come from other countries, especially those who are coming from countries that are close to open witness for Christ. This is a moment for you. Take some time to pray about it and ask God if there's a way you can be involved in this great work. We are also trying to work with local churches in this receiving nation to equip them and to train them on how to reach African migrants. I think this is a great opportunity for you to share your faith right where you are. You don't need to buy expensive tickets to go to different places. The world has come to your doorstep. We are committed to take the gospel to far places, but also committed to mission right in our neighborhood. So not only are we told to go here, there and everywhere, people are coming from here, there and everywhere. We've been blessed as a church to have Justina and Neveris come from Zimbabwe and be part of our congregation. It's been a great blessing. You guys have an English program, reaching out to people that have been displaced from around the world. I believe you have a Muslim man and others from China, Asia. What a blessing to bring them in to your fellowship here through teaching English. Can I encourage you to keep the priority on proclamation as well? Share the gospel with them. But God is moving people everywhere, here, there, and everywhere, both ways. And we, we need to be sensitive to that and be willing to go across the street and share to our Muslim neighbor from Somalia or to a man from North Africa somebody from China and we take that challenge but I think I would hope that this church would take that last video as a real encouragement because you guys are involved in that ministry and bless yesterday at our men's retreat <clears throat> we had a challenge on 1st Peter 3 and the challenge was to respond to the second coming of Christ the speaker outlined some essentials on this second coming. One, that Jesus will come back, that there will be a resurrection of the dead. We'll die once here, but we will be resurrected. It's a new body. There will be a judgment between believer and non-believer, and believers too will be called to give an account. And Jesus will rule forever after those events. So the encouragement there was to respond to the second coming. How, how do you respond to that? Being living a life with that in mind, being ready for Christ to come. I'd like to now throw in another response challenge. And I'll ask Ross to read a passage from Matthew 24. Just a verse. Yeah, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So if you want to respond to the second coming and make it happen quicker, you need to respond to the Great Commission. 
and proclaim. I'm going to close, almost close with a, another video. This is slightly longer. It's not an AIM video, but it takes us into North Africa and see some of the amazing things that God is doing in North Africa. Part of our Great Commission response is to pray. Pray for workers to go, as we mentioned in the Take Two program. But pray for the Spirit of God to move among unreached people. But here, let's have a look at what, what has happened as a result of prayer for North Africa. God has given them many opportunities to witness at the police stations, at the courts, 
And actually, one say, I, I went to the police station and we gave you 45 minutes to sit up Jesus. Just imagine yourself, the Arobos said you were tell us about Jesus, please. But Algeria and the countries of North Africa weren't always open to the gospel. Peter is a veteran missionary in these parts. You know, there's that parable that Sora went out to sow his the seed fell on uh, stony ground. This is North Africa. Uh, in those days, was quite uh, resistant to the stone. For security reasons, we've altered his voice and concealed his identity. The religion and the culture were unsympathetic to anything that was foreign, and uh, Christianity was considered to be a religion of the Europeans. Peter believes the arrival of satellite TV and the internet dramatically changed people's perception of Christianity. Today in North Africa, on, on TV, you can hear uh, native Arab Christians talking about their faith, or mature Christians answering questions, involved in debate. Emboldened by God's power, Algerian Christians are now on a mission to take the gospel to the four corners of the globe. God has put it in our heart today and to send 1,000 missionaries by the year 2025. And I really believe maybe one day America will end up with some Muslim convert missionaries having to reach out to the Muslim church and other parts as well. George Shamasidian views along the shores of the Mediterranean. I read before from Genesis 12, the blessing on Abraham. Remember that main blessing was on Isaac, but also Ishmael, who um, is the father of the Arab nation. So another story, another day. <clears throat> you will be my witnesses. Go and preach to all cre creation. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have taught you. How will we respond today to the Great Commission as a church, as individuals? Can we go? Can we be a part of a body that is sending? Can we be more intentional in our sharing the gospel in our Simply English group? How, how are we being challenged by God? Let us pray and then we'll have communion. Our Father and our God, we thank you for Jesus' last words. Words giving a directive to his disciples that has filtered down now to us as his disciples in this, this day and age. Father, we pray that you will help us to respond. To respond to your call to be your witness here, there and everywhere. To respond to your call to go and make disciples of all nations. And Father, we pray that prayer of Luke 10.2 again. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Father, send workers into your harvest field, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.